I want to talk to you for a few moments about the value of Jesus, the value of Jesus. When we started our fast two weeks ago from, from tomorrow, actually, I spoke to you about receiving a renewal from the Lord. We talked about a renewal in our relationship with God, our renewal in our family, our renewal in church, and a renewal to the mission of God. But first and foremost, most importantly, we do desire and want a renewal in our relationship with God. And I'm believing that's our greatest desire tonight, is to have this sense of renewal, that God would do whatever he wants to do to bring us back to first love. And it isn't to suggest that you or myself are in this damaged place where we don't love God or have any desire for him. But what I'm saying is there's just so much more. And when you begin to think about the goodness and the love of God, it draws you in. And there's something wrong if when we think about the love of God and we think about who Jesus is and what he's done, if we're not drawn more to him, there is something wrong inside of us that we need Jesus to fix. It doesn't have to look like what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to look like any other person, but there has to be this inner witness and this inner desire and this inner drawing to Jesus because he's the most valuable thing that we have. There's nothing greater in our lives than Jesus. And yes, there's a lot of things lying to us and telling us that we should put place more priority on them, but they just simply are not that valuable. And so what I love about fasting is not missing meals. What I love about fasting is a renewed sensitivity to the person in the work of Christ so that I can see him more clearly, spend time with him more consistently, and worship him more passionately. I pray that our season of fasting will draw us to a place where we value Jesus more than any other thing, not just in words, but in deed. And that it's shown through our life. And it is to suggest that we all have experienced this, even if we're not in that place right now. If you're a believer in Jesus, you've experienced this drawing, this inner witness of him being the most valuable thing that you have. You can't come to Christ and not think that. You can't come to Christ, the one who saves us from our sin, the one who is righteous even in the midst of our unrighteousness, the one who has when we have not. You can't come to Christ unless you see him greater than every other thing or else you wouldn't come to Christ. You come to Christ because he is and we're not and we recognize that and for some reason he places great value on us and it draws us to him. It draws us to him but we can lose the value that we have for him. He never loses his sense of value for us. God does not change his mind. He does not relent. He does not turn to the left or to the right. He is always steadfast, faithful, and true, and he is the truth. So what he says is true. What, 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 it, what, it, what the word of God tells us is, is right. But sometimes we can be fickle. Come on, just say amen because it's true. Come on, you can... You don't want it to be true, but you can be fickle, can't you be? And fasting kind of brings us to this place where we start to look at him more closely because we're going through a time of hunger. You know, our relationship with Jesus can sometimes remind us or it can be a parallel, at least, our relationship with the spouse. You know, when you fall in love, I don't know why we say fall in love. It's such a weird term. Like you just 
fell in love. You just fell. I just, whoop, I'm in love. There it is. How are you doing? I mean, it just doesn't, there are just terms that when you say them, there's something wrong about them, you know? I, I just fell in love with you. If you stop and think about it for a minute, like, well, can you choose to love me? I don't want you just falling in there. All right. But when you fall in love with someone, you become smitten, and it's like nothing could be wrong about them. Everything is right, and it's like you'll do anything, right? You'll just, it's like you'll do anything. You, you'll do small stuff. You'll go out of your way to pick something up, and, and you'll send the text messages, and you'll make the extra phone calls, and you'll make the extra effort, and it's, it's effortless, it's like you just, everything about you, I just want to go out of my way to serve, love, honor, show affection for this person. I mean, just like little stuff. It's just who you, it's just, it's just that season. Now, now, I'm not saying everybody, every one of us has gone through all that the way that I'm describing, but I am exaggerating a bit. It, it's like that, though. You're, cons- you're more considerate, you're more kind, you go out of your way, you're more willing. All of this is true with the one that you have covenanted with. But isn't it true that over a period of time, and it's sad to say it, that you and I can take for granted the people that we love the most? It's true. And you don't have to be married to know this. It's just an illustration. But just like that, we can do the same thing with the Lord, the person that we love the most, the the greatest relationship that we have, the most important person in our life. We can take him for granted, and we don't value him the way that we want to. And we slip into places of guilt, don't we? And so sometimes, like I've told you this before, but church or bringing up the Bible or even anybody asking us an accountable question, have you read the word lately? It's like, why would you ask me that? I mean, you've just totally fallen out of your relationship, your love for the Lord. Like any question that reminds you of God, the one that you used to value more than anything else is almost like this point of guilt for you now, because it reminds you of what you don't have And there's something underneath that that says you ought to and you should. But get rid of the ought to. It's the get to. God wants to get us back to the I get to. I don't have to. I want to. And that's a place of valuing him. Now, there's a passage of scripture that came to my mind today. I want to share it with you. Because I believe that if we're going to worship the Lord with all of our heart, and we're going to pursue him with all that we are, we we have to value him above all other things. And, and here is a profound passage to show us a little bit about what that looks like. In Matthew 26, let me d- describe verse 1 through 5. Jesus is telling his disciples once again that he's going to be handed over for crucifixion. This is just days away from Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins. The chief priests and the elders were actively looking for a moment to seize Jesus and, of course, bring him to his death. Jesus is, is not only days away from his crucifixion, but he's just like vi- moments away from his betrayal. Judas Iscariot is going to betray him. And Matthew does something very interesting, and you wouldn't catch it if you didn't know it. You have to know this, because in verse 1 through 5, it says Jesus tells the disciples that he is going to be handed over for crucifixion. He tells them that's going to happen. They don't believe him. How many of you understand that? They do not believe Jesus. Even though he's telling them the truth, I'm going to die, it's going to happen. They don't believe him. They're like, oh, he's, he's said that a few times. And so it says then the magistrates and the chief priests, they're looking for an opportunity. And Matthew 
flashes back a week before this because Matthew is writing an account. And so he flashes back to a story. And you wouldn't know that that's what he does, but then you read right after these several verses that he goes right into the betrayal where Judas goes out and betrays him. So what's he doing? Matthew flashes back for a moment to talk about what led Judas's heart to that final place of completion for the betrayal to take place. And wouldn't you know that in that moment where Judas's heart shifted to betraying the Savior, that is the same place where we read a story about profound worship. It's amazing. One person's heart is given towards betrayal and another person's heart is given towards worship. And it is the person's heart in worship that actually causes the offense for Judas to go after Jesus in betrayal. Now, you ready for this? Read this with me. Verse 6, Matthew 26. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of, home of Simon the leper, we, we don't know who Simon the leper is, okay? Some believe they do, but we don't know. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant. Now, if you don't know what that means, dictionary says it means angry or offended, okay? Because I don't use the word indignant. I never tell Bridget, you know, I'm just indignant with you right now, okay? That wouldn't go well in my house anyways, okay? She didn't deserve that. Everybody say amen. All right. Now, the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. This is the word of the Lord. And the truth of what Jesus said is actually manifested by me bringing up the story today. 2,000 years later, I'm talking about what this woman did. Jesus prophesied, and it was just manifested in our midst. In case you didn't know, a prophecy was just fulfilled right there. I just read it, and amen. The same story is in John chapter 12, and it gives us a little detail. Here's the detail. They're in the house of Simon the leper. Don't know who he is. We're not totally sure. But what we do know from John 12 is there are three people that are there, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The woman that pours the perfume on Jesus' head is Mary. And we know that because that's what John 12 tells us, so it's good to have a parallel account. So she's named, she does this profound act of worship that shows us that she valued Jesus more than anything else. And I want to show you why. Number one, Mary humbled herself before Jesus. She didn't care what she looked like to other people. She knew, she knew that doing this was going to cause some kind of offense, and it did. She knew that people watching what she was about to do was going to cause an offense. She risked that because Jesus was more valuable. Friend, I'm telling you, that's what humility can look like sometimes, is you're willing to do what you know and have conviction for, even when other people are going to get offended at it. There are times where that's going to happen. And we can't be thinking about other people. We've got to humble ourselves before God because he's called us to do something that doesn't make sense to other people. That's what Mary did. And that's why it's an example to us. That's what worship looked like for her. 
She was exposed to criticism at many points as she kneeled and she even wiped Jesus's feet with her tears uh, and her hair. The contrast is clear. You know, just five days later, we read in John chapter 13, five days later that the disciples are not quick to get on their knees. I mean, here's, here's a person that's willing to give everything and she's on her knees in John chapter 12 and five days later, the people that have been with Jesus the most are unwilling to do those kinds of things themselves. Friends, I wanna tell you, you can walk with Jesus for a long period of time and for some reason you can, you and I can have our passion and our love stolen from us by the things of this world. It happens. It happens to me and it happens to you. Oh, but not during a 21-day fast. No, sir, not during a time of fasting. If there's anything we get out of this time, friend, it's first love. Bring me back to value Jesus. Second thing I I saw here is she gave Jesus her best. This vial of perfume was worth about $30,000 today, maybe $35,000. What do you own that's worth $35,000? Do you own anything worth that? I was trying to think about it. There's only a few things that I own. It's not like I can pour my house on Jesus, you know? I mean, there's just nothing that I could hold in my hands that I could do something like this. Like, tangibly speaking, this was a family heirloom. It was worth $30,000, $35,000. And yes, it offended everyone else. Why would she do this? Because Mary gave Jesus her best and she wasn't ashamed to do that. She didn't give Jesus the leftovers. She didn't give Jesus some things. She gave Jesus everything. And that's my third point. She gave Jesus all that she had. She didn't count how many drops of the perfume. I don't know if you would have done that, but man, it was like every drop was worth dollars or whatever their money system was. We would have counted five, 45, 65, 75, 75. No, it's just, it's, It's calculated. We can be calculated. How many of you are calculated sometimes? When it comes to life, you you and I have that tendency. She gave Jesus her best, and she gave Jesus all she had. When you value Jesus the most, you will give him your best. I'm I'm not saying that it's always easy, though. I wouldn't say that to you. I wouldn't act, sit here and act like I've always done it and it's never been a problem. No, friends, you gotta count the cost. You gotta count the cost. I'm not saying we calculate it all the time, but we've gotta count, we've gotta know that what we're doing is a choice. That's what love is like. That's what love is like. I willingly choose to give and I know that I'm giving all that I am. I, I understand that. It, it isn't lost on me and it's not lost on Jesus. She gave all she had. This is full surrender, placing value on him above everything else. And the last thing, and Jandy, you can come, and this was quicker than you thought. Told you it was an hour prep. The last thing is she worshiped in a way that exposed others. And this sort of ties into my first point, but look at this. I mean, when she's worshiping, I want to read this to you again. Look at this. Why this waste? That was out of the mouth of Judas Iscariot. Why this waste? (laughs) this woman was so abandoned to the person of Jesus, so valued him, she didn't care what anybody else thought. But Judas's heart was so selfish and so focused on on his own, right? That out of his mouth, the first thing was, what she did was a waste. 
That's a profound statement coming from a heart that is later revealed very clearly. And Matthew tells the story, and the next scene is Judas goes out to betray Jesus. Matthew is telling us that someone else's worship caused such an offense that he couldn't just, he couldn't get over it. I mean, it's, I'm t- listen, I don't know what you've been thinking about during this fast, but something that I've been thinking about a lot and the Lord spoke to me last year about is I've called you to worship. And as I've been worshiping the Lord, and I'm not saying I've done that perfectly, but as I begin to focus on God, as I worship the Lord and he's asking me more to go to my knees, men don't often go to their knees. Maybe when they're proposing to a woman, maybe when they're in great pain, I can't speak for women, I'm, I'm not one, so I don't know, but for men, it's hard to humble themselves, to go to their knees, and it's a physical thing, but there's, when it's, when it's the Lord, there's something underneath that, something very spiritual, something very deep, and the Lord's been leading me into things like this, and, it, and, just, and in some circles, that might be a very religious thing to do, you know, sort of the up-down re- religious rules and and wrote, and this is kind of the way that they do things. I'm just not like that. I'm not the kind of person that tries to develop this kind of a routine to prove to God anything. I, I gave that up. I don't, I don't think that God's impressed by me. I think he loves me. There's a difference. I don't think he's trying to be impressed by me. He actually says that in Isaiah 66. He says, look at all this stuff. I've made all of these things. What can man do? What can you do? to impress me. I made all of this, but he says, to this one will I look, one who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. That's what the Lord looks at. A person that is humble and contrite and trembles at the word is a person that places value on Jesus. That's what it takes to go to a place of prayer, to go to a place where you're worshiping the Lord, having this sense of renewal. Jesus honored her and it exposed a religious spirit that I think can be far too common in us. I mean, here's what happened. Everyone else refused to accept what Jesus said about his death, but she didn't. She believed Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to die. And she took the perfume out to prepare him for his burial. And all the while, the disciples didn't even believe what Jesus was telling them. The ones that were walking with him didn't even believe, but she went and got her best and she gave God everything. I mean, it's just, she gave him everything. It's incredible. And so I want to just simply close and I want to pray and ask the Lord tonight as we're moving into our last week of the fast. And if you're here tonight and you didn't know that as a church, we are fasting and you're here joining us, then you just understand we're in the third, going into the third week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And here's what I'm wanting to ask of you. Go into this week strong. Let's say the last two weeks you didn't do much. All right. Those things are behind. What I'm asking you to do and encouraging you toward is to go into this next seven days with at least more prayer than you had. If you feel like you're struggling with your fast, move towards a place of prayer then. Don't let what you're not doing in your fasting hinder what you ought to do and God's calling you into with your praying. Don't let this one take away from that one. Now, I want to encourage you to fast. 
in whatever way the Lord calls you to, but I want us to end strong. And I, here's what I, I want to ask God for with you. Would you ask the Lord for this? Would you ask for first love to be given to you like no other time? that the Holy Spirit would visit you in such a fresh way where you're loving on Jesus more than you did 21 days ago? Can you ask the Lord for that? Because friends, I'll tell you, a lot of things are gonna get solved if we're just loving on Christ. If we're just seeing Jesus, loving Jesus, seeking to know Jesus, a lot of things are gonna get solved in our life. I wanna pray more, I wanna read the Bible more. You're gonna read the Bible more because you're loving on Jesus more. You're placing value on him and what comes with him is his word. I'm not praying enough. I want to pray more. When you put more value on Jesus, you're going to want to talk to him more. It's not the thing. It's the person. And when we appropriate that in our life, Lord, I love you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you and let him know our intention. Let him know your desire. Tell him. At Ignite Gathering, this is an opportunity for us to tell him through singing and through worship. We waste no minutes here. None of what we do here is a waste, amen? It's the religious mindset that says this is a waste. It's the Judas mindset, that's a waste. Why would you waste that perfume? Why would you waste that bottle? Why would you waste your time? Why would you waste your finances? Why would you waste like your focus? Why would you waste your 21 days? Why would you waste, because I'm not wasting anything, that's why. We're not wasting a thing. We're not wasting a dollar. We're not wasting a minute. We're not wasting our focus. We're not wasting our life. We're giving our life. We're giving our life to Jesus. So tonight I want to do that. You say, Ben, I already have given my life to Jesus. Come on, do it again. I'll open up the altars just for you. Come on down. You know, really, let's do that. I, I want to pray and I'm going to pray a prayer and I want you all in. I don't want anybody out of this prayer. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask if this is you, because it's you. If you're in here, you're in this prayer. If you're online, you're in this prayer. Don't, don't get off now. Don't, don't press pause. Don't go to the other channel. Don't go to the other place on Facebook. Stop the scroll. You need to know some things. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask for the power of God to touch us, draw us to Jesus. Do you want that? I know you do. Come on. Would you stand with me tonight? Let's do that. We value you. Lord, we do. Don't wait for me to pray. Just begin to pray. Value you. What do I mean? I mean, you're the greatest thing I got. You're the most important relationship I have. There's no competition. There is no competition, Lord. And we confess. Just if you need to confess, if you need to surrender, if you need to repent, let's just do that for a moment. Let's pray for a couple minutes. Lord, we just confess that we've allowed other voices We've allowed substitutions. We've allowed other priorities. We've allowed other values to come and take your place. But Lord, tonight, we turn to you and we acknowledge that those things don't even compare. And we ask you, Lord, that you would change our appetites from the things of the world to the things of the Lord. We ask you that you would shift those appetites even now as we pray. I pray that something would happen on the inside of us, Lord, that even a deliverance for some would happen right now. That the thing that we can't stop doing because, of, because we know we've got to start doing some other things, but somehow we're bound, we pray that in the name of Jesus, you would break the power of what is binding us right now. So I pray over all of our friends and all of our family members that are joining us, even those that are online, Lord, we pray for the power of the Spirit to come and break those barriers and break those bondages. Lord, forgive us for our sin.
cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Thank you for your divine exchange and the forgiveness that comes through your precious blood. Oh God, we don't have to beg for your forgiveness. We just have to ask for it. We don't have to cry out for more and beg you. We just receive it. And so tonight, come, Holy Spirit, touch our hearts. I pray that you would lead us into repentance, that you would lead us into renewal, that you would lead us into fresh life where we are back and our first love is prioritized. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.